Well, today we're going to be concluding our series called The Kingdom. We're going to be wrapping it up today. We've been in our Kingdom series. Uh, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and that's where we're really going to be camped out with the basis of, of this, this last uh, message on the kingdom is going to be on. And if you've missed any of these, uh, you can go back to our website, podcast, YouTube, Vimeo, uh, has all the messages uh, from week one. This is actually week seven of the kingdom series as we wrap it up uh, today. And it's based on Matthew 6.33, where Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let's pray over our time in the word. Father, we do thank you for who you are, Father God. Thank you for the greatest gift ever given, your son Jesus. And Lord God, it's a gift. Lord, we all received gifts this week, but this is the gift of salvation that will last for all eternity. It's a blessing on this earth, but it will last for all eternity. Help us, Lord God, to just continue to be kingdom-minded here on the earth as it is in heaven, Lord. As we seek you today, I pray that you continue to help us. Help me as I present your word this morning. May I make it clear, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I had a dream actually on Christmas night, um, and it was me talking to a gentleman, and uh, I started praying after, and I was like, Lord, if this is a, a man that I need to meet, let me know. I was telling my wife about the dream, and, and she said, hey, maybe it was an angel, and maybe it was. But when I woke up, I started thinking about today's message and the series we've been in, and specifically this verse. And, and I, I don't think I've said this all series, but you know, as from the interaction I had with this man when I woke up, I began to think about, you know, this scripture and how we need, you know, we need to seek the kingdom of God first and foremost let me say a few things. Instead of seeking to be right. Amen? In this day and age, we like to dig in and want to prove our point and make sure we're right, whether it's politically or about anything else. But it says seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek to be right first. Let me say this too. Let me just encourage you. Seek first the kingdom of God instead of giving your opinion. Amen? Uh, they say, I brought my own amen today, so that's okay if I don't get a lot of amens. They, this is just a little encouragement from a dream I had. This I had, I didn't even plan on sharing this. I, I pretty much finished this message up on Wednesday. But I just felt like as we're closing up this series, this is something the Lord wanted to, to share. You know, instead of trying to be first, we've, we've talked about it. We had Serve Team Sunday last month. We've been talking about Jesus saying, if you want to be first, you must be the servant of all, right? So seek first the kingdom of God glorifying God, furthering the kingdom before our we push our agenda. We did a whole week on a kingdom agenda, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And that goes for me too, because guess what? I like to be right too, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? I'm competitive. I like to win. I like to be first. I like to be right. I like all those things too. But you know what? A lot of that stuff gets in the way of advancing the kingdom. When we start trying to advance our agenda, our opinion, being right, being first, all of these things, it gets in the way of advancing the kingdom of God, right? Whoever's be greatest, take the place as a servant, as a slave. A servant and a slave doesn't have rights. Come on, I don't even plan, I didn't plan on going there, but let me just encourage you. Being in the kingdom of God, what we do when we say, Lord, we surrender, you're our Lord and Savior, we lay down our rights. We lay down our rights and we say, Lord, where do you want to go? What you want me to do? This is a kingdom. What, what I'm trying to say as we wrap it up today is that this is a kingdom perspective. It's being kingdom minded and it's having kingdom character. 
See, when we have kingdom character, it's really Christ-like character, and I'm going to dig into it a little bit more today, but having Christ-like character is having kingdom character, right? Jesus didn't defend himself. They accused Jesus. They said all kinds of things about Jesus. And you know what? He didn't defend himself. He didn't always try to prove his point. He didn't, he didn't always feel the need to do these things. He was about his father's business, right? And that's how we should be. We should be, when we, when, as we, as we think about advancing the kingdom and being kingdom minded and, and having a kingdom perspective, now more than ever, we need to have a kingdom perspective. We need to, to get our eyes off of the things of the world that distract us, that make us want to prove a point or share our opinions or be right or fight and fuss and do all of these kind of things and lay that all aside and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. You with me? I know that was not a warm and fuzzy holiday introduction there, but I felt like it's what the Lord wanted me to share. Amen. More now than ever, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. So today we're going to wrap it up with talking about kingdom power. Come on, somebody. We need to have kingdom power. And, and our king is an all-powerful king. Amen? He is an all-powerful king. And I want to talk to you today about kingdom power. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. He says, some of you have become arrogant. He, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come and soon... If the Lord lets me, and then I find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. Now, this is it, right? Look at this verse. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Come on. If we, as we wrap up this series, you want to define what the kingdom of God is? It's living in the power of God. It's walking through. It's tapping into and releasing the power of God. Paul said it's not just a bunch of talk, but it's living in God's power. See, the contrast in this paragraph is between speech and power, between words and deeds. See, there was, there were some arrogant Corinthians uh, who, who had no problem talking big, but they could not back up their talk with their walk. Their religion was only words. That's why Paul was rebuking them. Their religion was only based on a bunch of words and religiosity and sounding all good. And Paul said, but hold up. It's not just a bunch of talk. It's living by the power of God. That's what the kingdom of God is. See, Paul was prepared to back up his talk with the reality of the power of God. If you read the New Testament, you see the power of God working in the apostle Paul day in and day out, right? Miracles left and right, you know, winning souls to Christ. We should be prepared to do the same thing. The old saying, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, right? That's basically what Paul was saying. We should be living by the kingdom, by kingdom power. It's not just a bunch of talk, but it's by power. And that's why when we, we, like even us as pastors, when we preach and I often pray, you know, Lord, help us to not hear this word, but to apply it to our lives. And it goes for me too, because I can preach the word all day. But I got to live it out just like you tomorrow morning. Matter of fact, I got to live it out when I get in that truck right after service and go home, right? Right? So just like me, it's easy. I can, I can preach all day long. But Paul said it's not just preaching, it's living by the power of God. So this message is for me more so, if not, than for you, but it's all of us, right? We need to live by the power of God. So I want to just share three aspects of God's power this morning. What's the purpose of God's power in our lives, and how do we tap into it? But I'm going to add this, and how do we release it? Because we got to tap into the power of God, but we also, what Paul's saying is we got to release God's power from our life. Now more than ever, listen, people are seeking some real power. 
People are seeking truth and authenticity, right? That's another thing about our world right now. Everything, let me not say everything. A lot of things are so fake around us. What our society and image and all these things are built on, it's not authentic. It's fake. It, it, those are the things that are going to be shaken or that on people build their life on shaky ground. That's why that's such a powerful song. I will build my life on your love, build my life on the truth of the word of God. Those are the things that I won't be shaken. So when we tap into and release the power of God, that's when we're advancing the power of God. So three aspects of God's power. Number one, first, we have access to military power for spiritual warfare. Military power for spiritual warfare. What do you mean by that? Some of you are familiar with this scripture. Some of you may not. What do you mean that we have military power? Well, we, I'm not in the military. I didn't serve in the service well. If you are a born again believer, you are in the military. And Paul tells us that in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and look in his mighty power. I love that. Not just his power, his mighty power. Pull on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies. So it says we're not fighting people. That's what that means. But it's, he didn't say we're not fighting because there's a comma. Then but against we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, as believers, we got to remember, we should not consider human beings our enemy. You got to remember that. I've said it many, many times. Pastor Larry asked his dad, Pastor Roy Stocks, that had started Bethany Church over, I think, 60 years ago. And when he retired after, I think, he did 50 years of ministry and whatnot. This is before. He said, Dad, what is the one lesson you learned? This man was good friends with John Osteen. If you know Brother John, that started Lakewood Church. These are some old Baptist preachers that got filled with the Holy Ghost and they just did great works. And Pastor Larry sat his dad down in his, in his 80s or 90s. Dad, what is the one lesson and you can tell me if you wrapped your whole ministry life into one lesson, what would it be? And Brother Roy told him, people are not your enemy. Think about that. Yo, after 50 years of ministry, the one thing he passed on to his son, he said, you need to remember this. People are not your enemy. And that's what Paul was saying in this verse. I know a lot of us have read this verse, quoted this verse, but I think sometimes we forget. Look, I'm going to keep going back to this. Especially in a politically charged society we live in, the people across the aisle from you are not your enemy. I'm talking to somebody this morning. As kingdom-minded people, they might not act like you, talk like you, think like you, and vote like you, but they're not your enemy. We have one enemy, and it's the devil and his cohorts, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. But listen, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a military, but we got to recognize the enemy. See, that's what, that's what made, that's what changed, you know, the, the Vietnam War. It was, it was so hard. Like what, it was easy, like easier World War One, World War Two was a clear enemy. The Vietnam War was a lot harder when you had local people and then you had the Viet Cong. Now, even now in the Middle East, you have people that are disguised as civilians, but they're terrorists, right? It's hard to recognize. We must recognize the enemy. And it is very plain. It's almost like back in the day, or let me go further back to the Revolutionary War. We've all seen the, the pictures and the, uh, or even the Civil War pictures of soldiers lining up. There was red coats. Those, those were the blue coats. It was very obvious who the enemy was. For us, it should be obvious too. If they have flesh and blood on them and they walk it around on this earth, they're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. 
Our enemy we can't see. Yes, the enemy can use people, but listen, y'all, I just want to hone in on that. When I think about what Brother Roy said, the one thing he took away, people are not your enemy. See, the Apostle Paul uses the military to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan. That's what he was doing here in Ephesians. And we see a few verses later in Ephesians 6.20, Paul was actually chained to a Roman soldier when he penned this. He was in prison, chained up, probably to a Roman soldier, the, 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 the scholars say, as he was writing this to the Ephesians. His readers were also very familiar with soldiers and the equipment they used. In fact, if you read Paul's writings, if you study the New Testament, military illustrations was one of Paul's favorite in his writings. He used, he liked to use the military as an illustration of the spiritual war we was in. Paul makes it clear that Satan is a strong enemy and that we need the power of God to be able to stand against him, but not just stand, but be victorious over him. Amen? Come on, how many of y'all like me? You like to win, right? Come on, this is a battle that we already have victory in. And I know sometimes it's hard for us to understand that. And, and I'm going to use another modern day. People say, well, man, if the victory is already won, we sing those songs, why are we still fighting? Well, somebody used a good illustration. You know, years ago, whenever we liberated Iraq from Saddam Hussein, well, the, the leadership had toppled, right? We had technically won the conflict, but there was all kind of insurgents all around that country that were still fighting for their leader. So even though the victory technically was ours, they were still fighting against what, what, what already had been accomplished. Does that make sense? That's a good way to look at it in the, in the spiritual realm. We know that we have the victory. There's still a battle. But if you tap into God's power, the victory can be yours. Amen. It's not a guess of will I win, but that we will win. Sooner or later, if you haven't discovered as a believer that we are as believers, we're on a battleground. The good news is, again, we are part of God's army, and our commander is the Lord Jesus himself. Amen? We first see this in Joshua chapter 5. If you remember over the summer, I did a whole series in Joshua. We, we looked at this scripture. We talked about this. But I just want to show you again in the context of the military power that we have. Joshua was on his way on a military campaign, and he, he, he comes in contact with this man, and he finds out, He's the military commander of the Lord's army. Joshua 5, 13 and 14. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell, excuse me, with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. What, what you want me, your servant to do? This paragraph records what many scholars call a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ recorded in the Old Testament. So you see, we are a part of a heavenly military, and Jesus is the commander-in-chief. Amen? I say this every time I read this, but I, I love it. I love how somebody said, when D Joshua goes up to the Lord and says, are you friend or foe? He said, neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I love this, this saying. He said, I didn't come to pick, take sides. I came to take over. Amen? That's what the Lord was saying. And listen, and that's encouraging for me and you. That's what he was saying. I didn't come to pick sides. He's come to take over me and use battle. He's the commander in chief. Come on, we, we have the, the greatest, most powerful king as our commander in chief in our military. Amen. And we have unlimited spiritual weapons, so to speak, as we're in his army. So in a military, a military is for protecting, advancing, and guarding, right? Guarding territory, guarding a country. See, all spiritual war is the same. All spiritual war is about territory. Satan wanted to rule heaven. He lost and he got kicked out of heaven, right? The Bible records all of this. Now he wants to rule the earth. He wants nations. He wants cities. 
He wants section of society. He wants your family and he wants you. And that's his, that's the, the, that's been his goal ever since. He tried to rule heaven. He got kicked out of heaven, was thrown to the earth. And now he's trying to wreak havoc in all of our lives. And especially us because he knows we're children of God. And that's why we're locked in this battle. But here's some more good news. All of God's military is backed by his power and his authority. Amen. Again, military power for spiritual warfare. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 10, 18 and 19. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's the reference to Satan getting kicked out of heaven because he tried to take over. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. So the context here is Satan and spiritual warfare. So snakes and scorpions aren't like physical. He's talking, he's using that as an illustration of, of demons and, and, and his, his, you know, his cohort, so to speak. So you see, Satan does have power, but Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. The Lord's power is greater. We're tapped into that power and that authority. So how do you release this power? Well, it's very simple. A lot of you know, but I, I think we need to focus on it. And, and I'm going to gear up to what we're heading into this next season in the church. First, obviously, by praying. Jude 20 says this, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't think of prayer as just a little token thing you do as a good Christian. You got to look at prayer as you releasing the power of the kingdom of God every time you pray. Every time you pray, you got to remember there's a spiritual enemy that's after you and your family and this church and our community and our country and our society. And when we pray, we're releasing the power of God. Amen. You know, a great way to tap into and release God's power for engaging spiritual warfare is to add fasting with your prayer. It's to add fasting with, with prayer. Let me give you, show you an example here in, in the scriptures. Some of Jesus' disciples were trying to cast the demon out of a boy and they were having no success. Let's look at the account Mark 9, 25 through 29. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him or never enter him again. The demon shrieked and threw the boy into terrible seizures and finally came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand and raised him up to his feet. And he stood there completely set free. I love this translation. Completely set free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, the disciples asked him in private, why couldn't we cast out the demon? This was his answer. This type of powerful spirit can only come out by prayer and fasting. I missed my, my, my notes up here. I don't know what I did. Here it is. No, it's not. Bear with me. This type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. Specifically here, they were engaged in spiritual warfare with this demonic boy, and Jesus made it clear, this kind right here, when you're in this type of battle with this kind of a, and this specific spirit, which is known as one of the 14 root spirits we find in the Bible, a deaf and dumb or deaf and mute spirit, he said, could only come out through prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know all the circumstances surrounding, if the boy was locked up for many years or, or, you know, what it was, but Jesus made it clear, you have to add fasting to some of the spiritual warfare. You know, if you're not familiar with fasting, fasting is with, withholding from food, specifically, 
But other things in our day and age, like media or any other distractions, so you can focus in a time of prayer. And another great thing about fasting, it helps you to hear the voice of the Lord better because you get rid of distractions. Now, the first voice you're going to hear for the first few days is just your stomach saying, feed me, okay? So that's going to be part of it. Um, but eventually, and sometimes instantly, you begin to hear the voice of the Lord. And, you know, there's things that, that may be going on in your life. You might be in a spiritual battle of your life, and you need to add fasting to your prayer. And that's why we do it corporately every year. Many reasons. One of the reasons we're doing it too, and this is something Brother Francis and Ms. Babs started many years ago, where they, they, and they took January, the first week in January, because as Brother Francis, it was always his life message about tithing our finances. It was, it's like tithing our year to the Lord. You're giving your first part of the year to the Lord. We're going to start January 4th, which is a week from, from tomorrow. And it's like giving your first part. We give almost the whole first month, three weeks to prayer and the fasting. And it's like we're tithing our year to the Lord. We're giving the first part of the year. And, and, and it's just a great way to tap into and release the power of God when you add fasting with prayer. And like we said, uh, online and both, I believe there is uh, uh, materials in the lobby as well, right? Amanda, we have uh, physical materials in the lobby? Yes. Yeah. So in the lobby, you'll see some of that. If you've never fasted, there's there's a little pamphlet on how to start fasting, which you can do to different kinds of fast. There's a Bible reading plan, which I follow every year. I'm wrapping up reading through the Bible again this year. There's different types of prayer and, and all kind of different things that you can do. Also, we're going to do it a little bit different this year. We're going to have prayer meetings only in the evenings at 6.30 p.m., but this is what we'll do as well. Since we're not having noon, uh, morning or noon meetings, we're going to open up the auditorium on Monday through Thursday when the office is open. We'll open up the auditorium from noon to 4 o'clock. So you can actually come in. If you were used to coming in for a corporate 12 o'clock prayer, you can come in on your lunchtime during the week and you can come pray. We'll have worship music on in here. You can bring your Bible in here. You can pray on your own. You can read your Bible. It gives you a little place to duck off uh, during the day, midday. And then we'll have prayer meetings every night, corporate prayer meetings. One of the pastors and a worship leader will be up here and we'll have a time of prayer and, and, and worship together uh, as we do this corporately. So I just want to encourage you, if you've never fasted before, I encourage you, jump in with us. Look, we, we, we try to prepare you early. I started pray, praying this morning. I need to prepare. Listen, like Pastor Darwin says, I don't like fasting. I don't know if you know this about me. I like to eat. How many of y'all are with me on that, right? Like there's this song, that new song I was listening to. Uh, Jacob knows this artist, a Christian hip-hop artist. And he said, man, I, he said, I've always wanted abs, but man, I like to eat. You know, that's my struggle, right? I like to eat more than I want to actually. But listen, we... It, it, it's it's necessity, y'all. If you want to be victorious in a spiritual battle, fasting should be a, a normal part of our Christian life. You know how I know that? Because Jesus, when he he's breaking down and he's, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Sermon on the Mount, he says this, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Most of us know that Prayer and giving is a regular part of our life. But some people think we're radical when you start talking about fasting. But Jesus said it like he expects that if you're a believer, you're going to fast. You're going to pray, you're going to give, and you're going to fast. Again, this is fasting is never an exciting topic to talk about, but it's necessity. Amen? The second way that we release the power of God is by speaking the word of God. We see this in Luke 4. Jesus is engaged in a spiritual battle with the devil. Jesus quotes the scripture three times, and then the devil leaves him. So I just want to encourage you, in 2021, make it a point to up your prayer life. Join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. And again, just real quick, if, if, if you've never fasted, there's something about a corporate fast. When you know other people are fasting with you, 
and they're going to be here at night, or even you might run into them during the day if you come in during the day to pray. It's something about it that helps you to, to go through this time. And listen, in, in, in this day and age, I think not more than or you should do it in place of unless you have medical issues and all that. Talk to your doctor if you're on medication. But I think in our day and age, a media fast is just as important as a food fast. I think in our day and age, you should do that alongside. I think for 21 days, it'd be good for you to get off of social media. Turn the TV off. Restrain from things that you normally do, especially social media. We're so overloaded. I'm going to start a series next week and talking about how overloaded, overstimulated that we are. So I think a media fast in our day and age is just as good. I encourage you to fast from food too, but it's always good. It's a practice we've done. Get off of social media, turn off the TV. Brother Francis used to say, turn off the TV and turn off the stove, right? That's what he said. Something along those lines, you know, and now even more so with social media and all this, it'd be good for you to join us. And then again, speak the word of God. What's so important about reading through the Bible in a year you know, when you read through the Bible, you're getting all of the counsel of the Word of God in you. And it's amazing. When you start praying and you're going through spiritual war, you know what? Scriptures start coming out of you. You didn't even remember that you knew. They just start, they, they start, I'm telling you so many times, I quote so many scriptures when I'm preaching that I never even thought about till I'm up here. I remember a man of God told me, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants, but he can only pull out what you, pull out of you what's in you, Right? So that's why we encourage you to start in January to start reading through the Bible because these are two key ways to release the power of God through prayer and through speaking the word of God. Amen. Y'all with me? Amen. As Pastor Rob said, my name's Brandon and I'm your friend. Okay. Number two, miracle power for restoration. Not only do we have military power for warfare, but miracle power for restoration. Come on, somebody. God is still the God of miracles. God is still doing miracles on the earth today. Do you believe that? He's still a miracle-working God today, and he's given us power, miracle power, to release miracles for restoration. But really, listen, it starts with that. See, God is wanting to restore our brokenness. We live in a broken world. As I'm looking around here and even at home, I know there's broken people sitting in here that are listening to me today. The key to understanding the miracle gods is restoration. Look at Acts 10.38. It shows you the heart of God and one of the main reasons Jesus came. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Remember, we're talking kingdom power. Listen to what it says. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, Jesus came to the earth to restore us back to God's original design and intent that he had for our lives. See, God's plan and purpose for us was a glorious one and still is, but we, we, we were born into a broken, sinful world. And so God is the God of restoration. I know today I'm looking around this room at people that have experienced God's miracle working of restoration. As I look around here, I see people that have been saved, that have been healed, that have been delivered, either physically or emotionally, marriages that have been restored, right? I mean, just hearing about a testimony of Blue and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, Marie's story the other day, again, just of, of restoration in their marriage. And like me, deliverance from drugs and alcohol. And a lot of you, I, I'm, I am a walking miracle, church, amen? And a lot of us are all around this building. I'm looking at y'all. See, when the kingdom of God is released, miracles happen. See, God can do anything miraculous, but he wants to use me and you to release miracles on the earth. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that exciting? That we can actually be used to release miracles. Look at Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Jesus said, when you go, tell them this. God's kingdom is coming soon. Heal the sick, bring the dead back to life, 
Heal the people who have leprosy and force demons out of people. I give you these powers freely, so help others freely. Y'all see that? This is the essence of kingdom power. God has given us power for what? So we can help others, right? It's the whole point that we can help others, right? Our vision here, know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Making a difference is helping others. When you know God, you get set free, you find your purpose, and all of our purpose is to, to tap into God's power and to release the power of God so we can heal the sick, raise the dead, heal people, cast demons out of people. Come on, demons are still real and still exist, as we said in the first point, right? And so there are people that are broken and bound up, and God wants to use me and you to do this. See, by doing these things in the name and authority of Jesus, the disciples were demonstrating God's miracle power working through them. See, every one of us in here that has the kingdom of God within us can release this miracle power. How do we do this? Two ways that a lot of us know. One, by proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 7. When you go, tell them this. God's kingdom is coming soon. I still stand on this to this day. I believe the greatest miracle that can take place on this earth is when someone becomes born again. When you get saved, when you become born again, that's the greatest miracle that can ever take place. Because casting out demons, healing people, that's all great. That's wonderful. But you know what? That can only last temporarily if they're not saved. If you're born again, one, it's amazing. If you would know, have known me over 18 years ago, you would not want me on this stage preaching today, I promise you. And a lot of you over there too. Even people that I went to school with and stuff, it's funny. We, we still laugh. When I first came in ministry and people, I mean, what you doing now, Brandon? It's like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, you a what? <laughs> like, you a pastor? Like, yeah, you know, you can see their wheels turning. Like, you know, that's a miracle that I was going one way and all of us in this room and miraculously went another way. But it's such a miracle because when we get born again, it's going to last for all eternity. We can tap into these other miracles, but proclaiming the gospel, sharing the gospel with people, that's the greatest miracle that can ever take place is for people to get born again. Now, the Bible does say, Jesus said, these signs will follow those that believe. Those that are born again, he said, can lay hand on, on the sick and do all these things in Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, bring the dead back to life, heal the people who have leprosy. And force demons out of people. I know you have. I've seen these things happen right here at this altar. I've seen it happen outside of the four walls of the church. I've seen miracles on foreign soil, on mission trips. This is part of releasing God's power. Look at Matthew 12, 28. Jesus said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So you see that all of this, remember that the Holy Spirit is the source of the miracle power. Amen? We can tap into it and release it, but we're not the source of power, right? A plug does you no good if it's not, I mean, a cord does you no good until it's plugged into the wall, right? Cord ain't have no power. The cord is just a conduit. Once you plug it in the wall, then the power starts flowing through. Remember? Come on, just like some people down the by you say, we just the hose pipes that God's using, right? Come on, how many of y'all say hose pipe for a water hose? Be honest. So I got some friends of mine that are from like down the bayou in home area. They say hose pipe. That's just a little funny. But right? Whether it's a conduit, a cord, whatever you want to use, remember the Holy Spirit is the source of power so we can release miracle power for restoration. Let me just ask you, how many of you in this room are and you know somebody that needs a miracle in their life, needs restoration? They're either, they need to be saved, they need to be delivered from drugs, they're in depression, they're in bondage, and you've been seeing, come, let me see your hand, keep your hands up. How many of you know somebody personally that says, man, I know somebody that's bound up? Come on, look all the hands going up. God wants to use you 
as an agent to release his miracle power of restoration. Amen? Come on, that's exciting going into 2021, right? And third and finally, and this is very important, you have military power for spiritual warfare, miracle power for restoration, and number three, moral power for godly living. Moral power for godly living. Look at 2 Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have all received, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of this marvelous glory and excellence. See, the Christian life begins with faith in Jesus Christ. But when you know Jesus personally, you also experience God's power, and this power produces what some translations call life and godliness. By his power, this is awesome. He's already given us everything we need to live a godly life. Say, man, I'm not as holy as you, Brandon. I'm not as, well, you know what? You have everything inside of you that you need. That's what the Bible says. That's the second Peter. When you get born again, when you get saved, by his divine power, everything's downloaded inside of you to live out a godly life. See, when you're born into the family of God through Christ, you are born complete. God gives you everything you need to live this life in godliness. Nothing has to be added. See, there were some false uh, teachers at the time that the apostle Peter wrote this who claimed that there was some special doctrine that would add something to the lives of Peter's readers. But Peter knew that nothing could be added. That's why he was writing this. This is the context of this, of this scripture is they were, they were going around with false doctrine. Said, well, no, you need this. This is the, this is what you need. And he said, no, 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 no. Listen, God's given you everything already instantly downloaded when you got born again, everything inside of you that you need to live a godly life. Well, the question is, why don't more Christians act godly? Good question, right? Well, just as a normal baby is born with all the quote unquote equipment he needs for life, he still needs to grow into it, right? Right? A baby doesn't like grow an organ later, right? When the baby's born, it has its lungs, it has its heart, he has, right? A healthy baby has everything he needs when he comes out. But then those things, he grows into his body and functions in a way, which the same way spiritually. We have everything we need, but we need to grow into it. See, God never has to call back any of his creation because it's lacking or faulty. Amen? How many of y'all know that God has never made a mistake, right? See, just as a baby has a genetic structure that determines how he will grow, as believers, we're genetically structured to experience what he called glory and excellence. See, one day we'll be like the Lord Jesus Christ because he's called us to an eternal glory. We shall share in that glory with Jesus when he returns and takes his people to his heavenly kingdom. But we also are called to excellence. Now, this word excellence is not perfection. Matter of fact, some translations use the word virtue, and it basically means having Christ-like character. That's what it means. That's what we're talking about, moral power for godly living, living out a Christ-like life, having Christ-like character. Look what he goes on to say in just a few verses down, 2 Peter 1.5. Supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence. Come on, some of y'all supplemented y'all, y'all lunch with a generous portion of pecan pie or, or cookies or something the other day, right? Yeah, or a generous second portion of something, right? He says, supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence. That means a Christ-like character. See, we should not wait until we get to heaven to become like Jesus Christ. Our character and conduct should reveal his beauty and his grace every day, right? 
We should be revealing the character of Christ every day. Again, it doesn't mean perfection. We're not going to be perfect till we get to that glory point, right? We are justified. Justification, when we get saved, is just like we never sin. Sin, we're in the sanctification process right now as we walk through this earth. Then we're going to be in glorification once we're glorified with Christ when we get to heaven. But during this time, that big word sanctification is the process of growing into that Christ-like character. And again, you know what helps with that? Prayer and fasting. When you begin to fast and you begin to deny yourself of things you like, like food or, or entertainment or whatever, it begins to work. God works that, that, that Brandon character out of me. That, that, that things that are not so godly, that are not so Christ-like. So again, prayer and fasting can help with this as well. This is moral power to overcome. This is power to break chains. This is power to say no to temptation. This is power to change wrong habits and wrong mindsets. Amen? You're like, man, I can't just, I just can't break it. I can't, I've been struggling with this for years. Listen, you got everything inside of you already to live a godly life. You got everything inside of you to break free from those things, right? That's what my Bible says. That's what Peter told us. You have everything you need to live a godly life. And it's by his divine power. But again, we got to tap into that power, that freedom, that transformation could be released. See, true morality is an uphill battle that must be fought with the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength of God's grace. You know, I just finished reading through the book of Zechariah just um, the day after Christmas. I was wrapping it up and I read this verse, Zechariah 10, 12. By my power, I will make my people strong and by my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. Man, isn't that a powerful verse? By my power, I will make my people strong. Think about it. The strength to overcome the things. The strength to live godly. If you see yourself and you know you're not living godly. If your life reflects more worldly than godly, we need to tap into this power and this strength that the Lord gives us. And he says, they will go wherever they wish. Well, let me ask the question. Look at it this way. What, what do you want the power to say no to in 2000? And 21. What's the temptation that you just can't seem to overcome or you've been falling short to? Time and time again, what is it that you wish or you want the power to do? What habits or wrong mindsets need a change in your life? What chains do you need broken off of you? You know, I just asked you if you knew somebody that was in chains, bondage, or broken, but what about you? Is there something inside of you that's broken? Is there something where you're having a hard time living this godly life? Walking it out, walking in holiness, walking in purity, walking in a Christ-like character. Come on, the Bible says we should come out from amongst them and be separate. We shouldn't live like the world. We shouldn't look, talk, or smell, or act like the world, right? People should know we're born-again believers before we tell them by the way that we act. Come on, if you're struggling with that, there's moral power for that godly living. You can tap into it. When the good news is, let me encourage you, we've seen this every single year during prayer and fasting. We've seen people get delivered from stuff, chains broken off of people. We've seen people have wrong mindsets, attitudes, time and time again during the time of prayer. Sometimes it's on what we call Breakthrough Sunday, the last Sunday of our fast. We've seen it on day two before where people just get set free because they tap into the power of God. See, listen, God's kingdom never has never lost. God and his kingdom... And his military are undefeated, amen? So guess what that means? Me and you can't lose either, right? If we tap into this kingdom power. Come on, I said right. Some of y'all don't believe that. We can't lose, y'all. 
Come on, it's a, this, this, so to speak, the game's fixed. We can't lose. If you tap into the power of God, he's given you everything you need to live a godly life. Come on, some of you need to get this on the inside of you because some of y'all are looking at me like you don't believe me. But this is not my words. This is the word of God. We need to know this. We need to, we need to understand this and by faith understand that we can be set free, that we can be delivered. Yes, listen, in, in a war, you may lose some battles, but the war is not over. You may be looking at me thinking, well, yeah, but you don't know, man, I keep struggling with this. I fell, I fell. Listen, in a, in a, in a 12 round boxing match or a five round MMA match, listen, you may lose a round. How many of y'all seen in the last round with 20 seconds left, the guy's been getting beat up, knocks the other guy out? You ever seen that? If you watch boxing or any of that, listen, you may have been be- feeling defeated for years, but the war is not over. When you realize you got this power, the power of the kingdom of God inside of you and you tap into it and release it, this is what he says in Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Maybe you feel like a failure. The Lord gives you the power to be successful. Amen? No longer are we powerless. In the kingdom of God, you all have power. Amen? I want to close it up with reading 1 Peter. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1.3. Where we started, we're going to end. By his divine power... <clears throat> God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You remember earlier, I talked about our vision. You see it all over our walls, in the lobby, in the hallways, on our website, our app. You hear me say it almost every Sunday. Our vision, which is not just ours, it's God's vision. It's for you to know God Live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Again, we got this straight from the Bible. We've received this by coming to know him. You must first come to know God in a personal way before you can tap into his power. Not everybody on this earth, and we know that, has the Lord's power. We get that power by coming to know him personally. Would you do me a favor, and would you bow your head with me and just close your eyes? Even if you're at home and you watch it online, just do this so out of reverence for the Lord and so you're not distracted. Do you know the Lord personally today? Maybe you haven't had this victory. Maybe, man, spiritually you feel like you've been getting beat up. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel like you've been in some kind of bondage or or held back for many years. Maybe you have a hard time living a godly life. You come to church and you try to do the, 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 the right things. It may be because you don't personally know God. See, the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. And that word death means eternal death because the next verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All of us sinned, and, and the price tag on that is eternal separation from God. But Jesus Christ, as we just celebrated Christmas, was born to die, to go to the cross, to die for us, to take our place. He took our sin, our penalty, and our punishment on the cross. And whosoever should believe in him would be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life. The Bible says if we repent of our sins, turn away from them and turn to God, we'll be forgiven and we'll be saved. Listen, whatever head bowed, every eye closed, let me just go back to our brother Keith. Here's a man with no health conditions, nothing that his wife or family thought was going on, went through a normal Christmas, set his alarm to get up and go fishing, and he's in eternity. Just like that. Never woke up. 
Thankfully, he passed peacefully. That's a comfort to the family. What if that was you, church? What if that was you? We go to bed tonight. We set our alarm. Everybody has plans. A lot of you going back to work tomorrow. You may be off. You may be going fishing. You may be going golfing or hunting or shopping. And you're just a regular day. And what if you woke up in eternity? Where would you be? If you're not sure, our brother Keith reminds us of that. And if he was here today, we know he was ready. Paula said, we know he loved Jesus. He's here. I, I can point right where he would sit at. Been in church for many years, knew the Lord, loved the Lord. What about you? Are you right with the Lord today? Are you prepared for eternity? If you're not, just slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I want to get prepared for eternity. I want to know the Lord personally. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Sir, I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand right here in the middle. Amen. Anybody else? Even at home, I can't see your hand, but raise your hand to the Lord just as a sign of surrender that, Lord, I see your hand in the back. More hands still going up. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on, this is real. This is the most important. I see your hand, sir. Thank you. Greatest gift that was ever given is salvation. For those of you that raise your hands, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead because he didn't stay in that tomb, you will be saved. So as a family, we're going to pray with you. I want you to just pray something along these lines by faith. That word believe means to trust him as we sang earlier. Lord, I trust you. Now you're trusting him with your life and your eternity. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent today. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you and to advance your kingdom all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these today. Listen, I don't know what you got for Christmas, but that's the best gift you're ever going to receive right there. If you made that decision for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision online. You can click on the Connect card link. Fill that out. Go to the Info Center. we got a Bible for you, a few other little gifts to help you get started. The rest of you, why don't you go ahead and stand up, and let me pray over you as we, as we dismiss. Come on, y'all. As we conclude this series. Let's advance God's kingdom on the earth, amen? Let's have a kingdom mindset, a kingdom perspective, kingdom character. Remember, this is all carried out because we have kingdom power, military power. Come on, let's pray through these three as we go. Lord, I thank you for the military power we have for spiritual warfare. I know some of them right now, my brothers and sisters in a spiritual war, help them to tap into the power through prayer, through the word of God, through speaking the word, in prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray that they would just continue to build up their spiritual armor artillery as we fast and pray together. Lord, in Jesus' name, now I pray, Lord, for miracle powers. Come on. How many of you say, Brandon, I want to be an agent of miracles. Lift your hands to the Lord right now and say, I want God to use me to release miracles on the earth. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be agents of miracles, that we would release miracles for restoration. Those that are hurting, that are broken, that are lost around us, that are in bondage, that are in addiction, I pray, use us to release the miracle power for restoration. And Lord, I pray that you you give us moral power or we already give
given it to us. It's in us. Help us to tap into that moral power for godly living, that we walk in holiness, righteousness, purity, Lord God, that we have a Christ-like character throughout our days here on the earth, and that it would ultimately glorify you and lead more people to you. We love you. I thank you for all these today. Bless them as they go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. So good to be back with you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Uh, God bless you. Have a great day and Happy New Year.